The Bible is so clear. Satan is the god of this world. And Ephesians called him the prince of the power of the air. What does that mean? Listen to it from another translation. This is the Weist translation. He said, you being dead with reference to your trespasses and sins, he made alive in the sphere which trespasses and sins. At one time you ordered your behavior as dominated by the spirit of the age in this world system, as dominated by the leader of the authority of the lower atmosphere. The leader of the authority of the lower atmosphere. That's where we lived. That's where we spent our whole lives. And that's where somebody who doesn't know Jesus, who's not been born again, that's where they live right now. I saw a video just a few weeks ago. Short little thing popped up on my feed. I have no idea how or why. I don't know who this person was, but it was just a girl looking into her camera, recording a video on her own. And this is what she said. She said, even if God appeared in the sky proved his existence, said, hey, everybody, I'm God. She said, even if he showed up, I still wouldn't serve him. I still wouldn't serve him. That's a dangerous way to think. It's a dangerous way to live. Because for much of history, people who have fought serving God have said, if he proves he's real, I'll serve him. But here's somebody who said, even if he proved he was real, I still wouldn't serve him. What is that? This is somebody who is living with an illusion of freedom. They think they're free. I don't want to serve a God because I don't want to be bound by all that. I'm free and I want to be free. And what they don't realize is that they are being dominated. They think, oh, I'm just making all my own choices. I'm just doing my own thing. They, have, they completely are blind to the fact they're just walking the course of this world. It's like a conveyor belt. There's no freedom on that belt. You go where that thing goes. And that's what these people are. They're just being completely dominated by what? By the authority of this lower atmosphere. And every law of nature that works in this lower atmosphere, pulling down, dragging back, but we are not called to live there. I said, we're not called to live limited by the God of this world. We are not called to be subject to all the laws, the limiting laws of this lower atmosphere. We're called outside of that. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and did what? Come on, did what? did what? Raised us up at somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.2 million pounds of thrust or something like that. Power. All I know is it was power. 
that raised us up. And it was enough power to work against everything in this lower atmosphere that's pulling on you, trying to keep you down, trying to hold you back. There's power beneath you, thrust beneath you to supersede, to overcome this lower atmosphere. And I got that same thing in me that that astronaut's got in him. I want out of this place. I want beyond this atmosphere. I want beyond these natural laws. I'm called to live the life of faith, the life where God is involved. The unseen gets involved in the scene. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm halfway across the lake, and I've been going by my own strength and my own power, but the supernatural gets in the boat, and immediately I'm where I'm going. Come on, are you listening? I want out of, anybody else want out of this lower atmosphere? Yeah, you do. You were created to live higher. We have been seated. What does he say? He goes on to say it right here in these verses. Raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, there's one element of this in Ephesians 2 here that I want you to notice. What is it that keeps people bound by this lower atmosphere and dominated by the God of this world? Did you notice this? Put it back up there, Ephesians chapter 2. He said, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of what? Disobedience. That same word disobedience is translated unbelief. That's what that girl online was demonstrating. She didn't know it. She thinks, I'm just, I'm just saying my opinion. I'm just saying what I think. She had no idea. That's a spirit. To say, I don't care if God proved his existence, I wouldn't serve him. That's a spirit. Now, I'm not saying this person's demon-possessed, but I am saying there is a spirit of disobedience driving that. Disobedience. Disobedience, also translated unbelief, keeps people in this lower atmosphere dominated by that spirit. And it's one thing for the world to live that way. He said we were all that way. And until you've been raised by Jesus and seated with Jesus in heavenly places, you are totally and completely dominated by that spirit and your feet will never leave the ground. But what's really sad is some believer that has been born again but refuses to obey, refuses to take a step of faith in obedience to God, in obedience to word. Disobedience will keep your feet on the ground. Disobedience will keep you from ever progressing. You will never supersede the law of weight and drag through disobedience. I want to give you a couple of examples of this before we go. Look in the book of Genesis at a man named Abraham. Genesis chapter 12 is where God introduced himself to Abraham. And in verse 1 it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. 
I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Do you hear blessing, blessing, blessing? I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a big old promise, wouldn't you say? I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless everything you set your hand to do. God went on to say to him later, I'm going to be your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Man, God made some big promises to this man. Did you notice that? And he made good on these promises. But, but look back at what this whole thing started with. It didn't just start with God saying, hey, I'm about to bless you. It started with leave home. It started with take a step. Leave your father's house. Leave your home country to a place that I will show you. And because this man did what God said... He's not just an Old Testament figure. He's called the father of our faith. He's our example. And this is why Hebrews chapter 11 says it very plainly, Abraham obeyed God. That's faith. Disobedience, also translated unbelief. That ought to tell you obedience can be translated belief or faith. There's a lot of people claiming to believe God, but he can't get them to do a single thing he said. Take a step. Oh, I believe God. I believe he's good. I believe he's Savior. I believe he's healer. And he says, okay, I need you to go over here. I don't think so. I'm good right here. I mean, Abram could have said any of that to him. Leave your father's house. Go to a country I will show you. I'll make your name great. I'll bless you. I'll make you a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Abraham could have said, hmm, which land is that? Where are we headed? What kind of land is it? Is it a good land? Is it a rough land? Who's there? Who's not there? Are there opportunities for me and my family there? What's the school system like? Hmm? What's the median income of the land that you're calling me to? What are the taxes? Lord, if you could just tell me the taxes, what's, what's the property tax in this land going to be? Then I'll decide. That's not obedience. That's disobedience. It's also unbelief. And if Abraham had chosen that path, he would have stayed. Feet firmly planted in daddy's house. Hmm. But the Bible tells us he was 75 years old, and I've laughed often about that. My thought is, you know what? It's time. <laughs> it's time, little birdie. Spread your wings. Learn to fly. How do you do that? You've got to get out of this house. You're going to have to make God your source and not family, not the so-called security of growing up in somebody else's house. You're going to have to get your own God. Launch out. I'll come back to Abraham in a minute, but, but go to the book of Luke with me, chapter 5. And don't you like the, just the thought of that, that rocket and all those millions of pounds of fuel and the 1.2 million pounds of thrust just propelling that thing and every pound of thrust is fighting against every natural law, trying to keep it down, keep it in this atmosphere. 
Why does it take so much power? Because it's trying to break out of this place. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 says, So it was as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by from the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, what? Ooh, what did he say to Simon? Launch. Launch. What have we been talking about all morning? Launching out. And this was, this was pre-aviation days. And yet the Bible has something to say about it. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered him, said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Natural law says you're not going to catch a thing. You've been toiling. You've been working. You're a fisherman. You have been your whole life. This guy's a preacher. What does he know about fishing? What does he know about the right conditions? He wants me to launch out in the middle of the day. Everybody knows you don't fish in the middle of the day. Peter has every natural and mental reason to say no. To disobey, which would prove what? Unbelief. I don't believe you. He says, we've been working. We've been toiling all night. We've caught nothing. But, oh man, listen to these words. If you will learn to put these words in your mouth, you are going to light a rocket underneath you. Nevertheless, at your word. That's it right there, church. Nevertheless, at your word. That makes no sense to me. How could we possibly catch anything after working all night and catching nothing? That doesn't compute. That seems like the wrong move. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, at your word. So what happened? I let down the net, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. Supernatural acceleration. This is more fish than they've ever caught in a day. This is more fish than they've ever caught in two days. This is probably more than they've ever caught in a week's time. It's so much all at once. And what lit that rocket? Obedience. A simple act of obedience to do what? Launch. Launch out. I'm telling you, the greatest blessing Sarah and I have ever experienced in life or in ministry has always, always come after launching out, after taking a step of faith, a simple act of obedience. The Lord says, do this, and we take a step. We were on staff with my family as a part of a big ministry, worldwide ministry, global. I mean, I'm telling you, having an effect on people all over the world, big ministry, hundreds of employees, a certain level of job security, if you will. When Papa is the man, 
All you got to do is not be stupid. And you can have a job for like a long time. <laughs> and a well-paying job. And that's what she and I had. We youth pastored together. Then we began traveling as representatives of the ministry. And we had received raises. And, and the ministry was, was a, a great channel of supply to us. And we felt like, man, we're so blessed. This is the most blessed we've ever been. Until one night the Lord starts talking to us about launching out. And it wasn't launch into the shallow. It was launch into the deep calls. I'm telling you, there's a deep thing calling you. Deeper than you've ever been. It's calling out to you. And that deep, deeper waters were calling out to us. And long story short, we took that step, which meant leaving our father's house. And it wasn't like, we're never going to see you folks again. Bye. We're cutting you off. No, commu no, it wasn't that at all. We were leaving that security. We were leaving literally that paycheck. We were leaving medical coverage. We were leaving all that so-called security to launch out. And for months and months and months, we didn't take a salary from our ministry. And yet, we never one time for a single day went backwards. We didn't let anything drag us. As a matter of fact, we took off and we began to supersede every natural law. Natural law that says you can't make it without a paycheck. You can't have a baby, which we did, and quit your job, leave all your medical coverage, and expect to pay for checkups, everything that this baby needs, and yet it's exactly what we did. Superseding every natural law as the result of launching out. How do you think we got here? We spent our lives, our married lives, up until a point in Texas. And then, most of you heard me tell the story, we had Colorado on our hearts for a long time, but it never really seemed to pan out year after year after year, so we were just kind of content to be in Texas until one day some friends of ours, actually Ashley and Carly Terradez, who've ministered here, part of our church now, they were visiting us in Texas from Colorado. Ashley and I were just sitting there talking, and he happened to mention that Brother Andrew Womack's building in Colorado Springs was for sale. I wasn't thinking about Colorado, but there was a quickening. He said it, and something came alive on the inside of me. I thought, we need to go look at that. Why do we need to go look at that? We live in Texas. We're going to move, move our family, move our men. I don't know. We need to go look. We came and looked. Checked it out. We thought maybe it was it. And after looking a few times, we realized, okay, that's not it. But, but something's stirring in us. Something is alive on the inside of us. And this whole thing about Colorado came so quickly to us that we had looked for years and years and years and wanted to be here and tried to be here. And just, it was never the right time. But when he came and said that about that building, it was October of 2018. We lived here by June of 2019. Talk about a quick inning. It happened so fast. And it just happened as the result of stepping out, launching out. How are you going to leave your property? How are you going to leave? We thought maybe we might have to leave our whole staff. So we just went to him and said, guys, this is what the Lord's telling us to do. We want you to come if you believe you're supposed to. And every single one of them, one after the other, same quickening, same quickening. And together, you know what we did? <laughs> Launched out. 
into the deep. We didn't know. Never started a church before. Never built really anything before. Certainly had never purchased a two and a half million dollar piece of property that needed a ton of work and love and time and money. How are we going to do it? I don't know. He just said go. He said go. What if the Lord had said go? And we'd said, okay, maybe. But tell me about the school system. Tell me, where in Colorado exactly? Are we talking liberal Colorado? Are we talking conservative Colorado? <laughs> Lord, what about the weather? Huh? Is it, is it cold? I don't want to go if it's cold. What is that? Disobedience equals unbelief. That would be us saying, we don't believe you can take care of us there. We don't believe you can provide for us there. We don't believe you could start anything there. That disobedience would have been unbelief, but we launched out. And we are living in the middle of the blessing of the Lord like we never have before. And I don't just mean us personally. We're experiencing that. But being here with you today, looking at you in the eye, this is blessing beyond anything I could have ever imagined that came as a result of what? Launching out. Launching out. Now, this is cool. I want to finish with this. Go to, back to the book of Genesis and look at chapter 13. Just about done. Y'all are quiet today. You doing okay? You getting anything? Genesis chapter 13. You're going to get a kick out of this. This is just one chapter later. God had introduced himself to Abraham and said, I'm going to be the one that blesses you. And just a chapter later, you know, we find out that Abraham is very rich in silver and gold and in cattle. Well, what was that from? The blessing. That's from leaving daddy's house, from launching out. You get to Genesis chapter 13. Look down around verse 14. Put that on the screen for us. It said, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him. I want you to read this next statement with me. Ready, read. Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you were. Gave him two instructions. Lift and look. Lift your eyes and look from the place. Go on. What does he say to him? Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. He said, keep going. All the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. What was God's instruction to him? Lift. Lift. All throughout Abram's life, Abraham's life, God was constantly telling him, look up, lift, lift. You can't get where I'm going looking down, or where I'm taking you looking down. You have to get another law in motion here, this law of lift. Now, you're going you're gonna to laugh at this. I think this is so cool. That word lift is the Hebrew word nasah. You want to know how you spell it? N-A-S-A. -A. I think that's so cool. I don't know if it means anything at all. I think it's so cool. Because it paints a picture, doesn't it? For us living thousands and thousands of years later, that word alone, lift. And I'm not talking about a little 170 horsepower engine. I'm talking about millions of pounds of thrust underneath you, lifting you and I up out of this atmosphere.
you are not dominated by that spirit of disobedience that keeps people in this lower atmosphere. You have been raised with Jesus and seated with Jesus where? This lower atmosphere? No. Way on up there. Way on up there. Heavenly places. Amen? And that's one thing to, to know that and believe it, but to experience it on an everyday basis. You know what it requires? One simple act. Obedience. Obedience. Some of you came and you moved to this area to go to school. You launched out. Deep was calling you. Some of you moved from somewhere else. I'm looking at families across this room. You moved from another state, another place in the country to come be a part of this church. How'd you get here? You launched. You launched out. Deep was calling to you. And every time we hear that call of God, simple act, simple step of obedience. You know what's waiting on the other side of it? Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.